Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Tim Sylvie here. And today I'm flying solo with all of my guest hosts out of action after our cart race yesterday, which clearly destroyed them all. We had a fantastic day with over 100 carters, a bunch of celebrity and pro racing drivers all raising money for Movember and the Brain Tumor Charity. There's a link still on our socials with a QR code and a URL where you can go and donate. So please do go and check it out and give what you can. The race ended with Team Ginetta, who brought their GTR car down to do hot laps around Wilton Mill alongside a ridiculous HyperX single-seater, the Spartan, which if you haven't seen the Spartan, is this insane uh, road-going hypercar, I guess. It's sort of akin to um, a BAC mono, that sort of thing. Um, and we have Paul Cowden's crazy Litchfield-tuned Subaru BRZ. Um, and uh, the Ginetta team beat out a team submitted by Aston Martin F1 by less than a length of a cart after two and a half hours of racing um, at our fourth ever karting event. Loads of fun. Thanks to all of you that turned out. We had a really big turnout, probably our biggest event yet. Um, more of that soon. We might do another one this year. We'll see how we go. If not, we'll, we'll roll it into next year. And finally, a shout out to F1 Experiences who donated the Grand Prix tickets to the Formula One, the VIP tickets, which were won by one of the young chaps at one of the teams. He was delighted. So thank you very much to them. Now, today's American slash Swedish guest started in carts before moving through the US system into IndyCar and Formula E. He's now behind the mic and doing some sterling work alongside our very own Harry Benjamin amongst his other exploits. We're here to learn about his life, career, thoughts and opinions. Oliver Askew, welcome to the Motormouth podcast. How are you? Before we get any deeper into today's show, a very quick interruption. Thanks to a chance encounter at a recent motorsport event, we've got a new show sponsor, and it's something or someone that's a little bit different. Paul Oz has joined us for this season of the podcast, and we couldn't be happier. We've been huge fans of Paul since first meeting him at the Spanish Grand Prix in 2018, and I'd encourage all of you to go and check out his amazing work, especially, of course, his Formula One art and sculptures. 
Paul's created some of the most iconic and important pieces of our time, inspired by racing history, and he's partnered with the likes of McLaren Sky, the Senna, Lauder and Hunt families, and loads more. Head over to pauloz.com to learn all about his work and make sure to stay tuned to this show for your chance to win an original Paul Oz painting in the coming weeks. Amazing! As many of you will know, sponsors and partners are absolutely vital to our continued growth. And without them, it's pretty much impossible to keep making content that you want to listen to and hopefully enjoy. We can't thank Paul enough for agreeing to join us and we look forward to loads of fun with him over the course of this season. To celebrate our partnership with Paul, he's our first guest of the new season, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the chat as we hear from the man making wonderful, timeless pieces in the sport we all love. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Feeling um, brutally honest this morning, so I think it's going to be a good part. Oh, I love that. Yes. <laughs> well, you, technically, you've got no real ties at the moment, have you? Which we'll, we'll come on to. So you can say whatever the hell you want. Love it. Perfect. Now, um, first of all, do we call you Oliver? Ollie? What's what's the crack? Uh, I prefer to go by my alias, Dirk Flywheel. Dirk Flywheel it is. And I love that you've got, we've got, we use a, a software where you can type your name in before we hit record and it actually says Dirk Flywheel. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with Dirk for the rest of the show. Um, <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, um, I get this question a lot from the Brits and uh, they like to call me Ollie, which is not a problem at all. I never get Ollie in the States. Do you not? Well, people no. just go with Oliver. Yeah. yeah. Weird, isn't it? Like, I, I, it must be a British thing then, because you're, because when you Google your name, it's Oliver. And it's that to us, that feels quite formal. So that's why I wanted to check. So, I, okay, we'll, we'll bin Dirk Flywheel and we'll go with Ollie. Okay. I feel, I feel comfortable with that. Yeah. Now, um, I, I looked on your Wikipedia page, as I tend to do with these things, and it does have you down as an American slash Swedish racing driver. You do have a Swedish look about you. You've got the, the blonde streak. What, what's, what's happening there then? So wh where does the Swedish fit into things? My mom's from Sweden. Okay. But you were born in the States? I was born in the States, yes. Right. Okay, and so our, our close family, um, they're all still in Sweden. Uh, and my okay. mom, she moved to Miami when she was 21 or 22. Uh, and she was working as a nanny. And... Uh, she met my dad, who uh, at the time was an air traffic controller at Miami Center. Right. And uh, yeah, happily ever after. Oh, how sweet. Yeah. Um, do you speak Swedish? Jag pratar lite svenska. Wow, your whole bit. voice changes. That's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I imagine it's quite a challenging language. But um, very, so, so did you go back there much? Do you get, get to go back to the, the homeland? Yeah, during my Formula E stint last year, I spent a lot of time there. Um, I could go, couldn't keep going back and forth from the States to Europe, uh, every other weekend, like the jet lag was absolutely killing me. Yeah. Um, so I stayed with my grandparents in the South of Sweden a lot, uh, which is about a two, two and a half hour train ride from Copenhagen airport. Okay. Very good. I've, I've been to Copenhagen. That's where the, um, isn't that where the little mermaid statue is? Have I got that right? I have no idea. I think it is. I feel like it is. And it, I'm pretty sure I went there with my friend Matt years ago and we went hunting for the Little Mermaid statue, which is kind of like a thing that you've got to see when you get there. And it's the most anticlimactic, tiny little statue out in the, in the water that I've ever seen. I'll be Never heard absolutely slammed on Twitter if I've got that wrong. Um, <laughs> okay. let, let's turn our attention to racing. So you, you started uh, in carts, as many people do. 
first of all, why did that happen? What, what caused you to get into a cart? And at what point did that become something a little bit more serious than just a hobby? Sure. So it started as a hobby, like, like you said, just a father-son um, hobby, something to do on the weekends. And um, my dad had the idea, and I, there's still questions on, on how he got this idea to bring me out to the track for my, I think it was my eighth birthday. Um, back then it was Morosa Motorsports Park, previously known as uh, Palm Beach International Raceway, but now it's been, it's been shut down and demolished um, over the past year, unfortunately. Uh, this is a track 30 minutes west of us um, in Jupiter, Florida. And yeah, we, we uh, eventually, um, he got my own cadet 50cc Comer 80. Um, karting enthusiasts would be familiar with that engine, not around anymore, but it was super popular back in the day. And um, yeah, it was just uh, just something fun to do. We had a Ford excursion that um, we we put the cart in the back of. Uh, it's basically a, a truck with an enclosed um, bed. Yeah. Uh, so it had a couple of rows of seats that we took out, and we slid you know all of our equipment in there. And yeah, we started started racing uh, the club series out at that track, and did that for a couple of years. Yeah, I had I had no idea, you know what what motorsports meant. I didn't know, you know, what a real job was, you know, I was just going to school, going about my life and, um, yeah, eventually turned serious around, I was 12 or 13 years old. Yeah. Uh, started racing regionally, nationally, um, started winning races, began to get noticed by, um, some of the bigger teams in the area and, um, sponsorship, and karting, as you know, is, is mm-hmm. very rare, extremely rare. Um, and there happened to be this team in Ocala, Florida, which is about three hours north of, uh, of where I live. The owner um, of that team, and there was a track there as well, he's part of the Bacardi family, uh, so Bacardi uh, Liquors. Wow. Um, and so he had, you know, he had a lot of funding to do, you know, to work on his passion, which was, which was kart racing. And... Um, at the time, he was sponsoring. His name was George Ariano, Jorge, we called him. And at the time, he was sponsoring a couple of drivers. I eventually became one of those drivers. Um, Kyle Kirkwood uh, was one of those drivers as well. So we grew up together racing um, on that team. And yeah, if it wasn't for that opportunity that he gave both Kyle and I, we would neither of us would have made it to, or neither of us would have become. The drivers that that we are today so we spent uh, summers up there you know racing every weekend in in the in the seat every day and we were able to really hone hone our skills at a young age which um, as we know today is extremely important yeah is is the karting over there as it is here and, and crazy expensive i mean you could uh, we were as i said we were karting yesterday and i was chatting to some some guys there some regulars and you can easily spend six figures as a as a junior karting over here is it is it similar in the states i i can't put a number on what it's costing these days i've unfortunately uh not for any reason but kind of removed myself from uh, that that system I, I do know that it's it can get very expensive uh depending you know on what what team you want to race with and what kind of equipment you want to show up on the weekends with. So, um, yeah, unfortunately it it can, it can uh, get to those numbers. And you, you decided to take the, 
the uh, the US route to the top of racing, you, rather than come to Europe, as 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 some US based races have done in the past, was that a conscious decision? Was that or did you have opportunities to come to Europe? Did you come to Europe to do any racing at that stage? Um, I didn't feel like that there was opportunity there. Um, I, I don't come from from money or, or backing and. Uh, the karting team and the funding stopped there. You know, they weren't going to, uh, well, they did, they did help me get through a, a skip barber racing school program. So that was actually my first experience in the car that they helped me get through. It was a couple of days in, in Sebring. Um, but after that I had to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do, whether it was stop racing, um, or continue on the only path that I saw, which was the road to Indy and, and the scholarship system. Uh, so I was introduced to that through the Team USA scholarship, uh, a British gentleman named Jeremy Shaw, who, who some of you might be familiar with, um, former journalist, or he's, he's still, he still does some work in, in journalism, but um, his main focus still is, is the Team USA scholarship. And he takes kids uh, who are looking to yeah, make, their, make their first step, either from carts to cars or F-1600 to the road to Indy, um, he takes them to England to run the Formula Ford Festival and the Walter Hayes Trophy. Um, and to get into the system, uh, he hosts a shootout in the U.S. And so this year, Kyle Kirkwood, coincidentally, and, and I both won that. So he took two drivers, took us to, to England. And it wasn't just two races in Formula Ford. It was the process and the people that we were able to meet in the IndyCar paddock, mm-hmm. uh, which immediately which immediately uh, became my goal, you know, after, right. after this, after this uh, kickstart. And, and, uh, and that, um, that road to Indy sort of pathway, it seems to, from an outsider's perspective anyway, it seems to work quite well. And, you know, going up through the ranks as you did, you, you did find yourself in full-blown IndyCar, which was 2020, right? How, how did it feel? I mean, that, you know, that's, you know, stateside, that's, that's the pinnacle, isn't it, really, for, for you guys? And IndyCar is in a good spot at the moment. How did it feel lining up a, alongside some of the people that you clearly would have looked up to for many years and, and sit on that IndyCar grid for the first time? Yeah, sure. It, it, uh, it's baptism by fire, really. Um, looking up to those drivers for so long, it wasn't until my first test, my first real series test in IndyCar, which was at Coda in the beginning of 2020. Um, you know, I remember there were a few laps there where I was around, you know, the likes of Scott Dixon and Ryan Hunter-Ray and Will Power, um, legends of, of IndyCar. They've been around, you know, since before I even knew what go-karting was. So um, to be on track with them was was surreal for a quick moment um and it, it wasn't it wasn't long un- until i realized that i needed to start focusing on on my job at hand and um to try and beat these guys because that was the only way for me to establish myself uh, in the series it, it as i mentioned it feels like indycar's in quite a good place at the moment it's getting more coverage over here um, there are shows that cover it um we have the indy 500 which has obviously become quite a big deal over here a lot of people watch it and there's talk isn't there of indycar looking outside of the states for for a race now is that gonna happen and and what impact do you think that will have on on the series 
I think international, the international audience is important. Um, you know, IndyCar has worked for a long time to, you know, engage the, the U.S. audience, but I think there comes a point um, because U.S., the U.S. does sports so well. Mm. And, you know, when it comes to the NFL, the NBA, NHL, um, it's difficult for these households to, um, to focus on, on motorsport when, you know, they're so engulfed in their own, um, whether it's, you know, college football or, um, they're, fa- they're fans, they're already fans of so many other sport in, in the U S. So, yeah. um, I think, think there comes a point where we need to expand, uh, where IndyCar needs to start looking elsewhere to, to grow the sport. Um, at the yeah, at the end of the day, that's why Formula One is so massive because it's global. Um, you know, they've entered the the Asian market, the Middle East, um, the U.S. You can argue is uh, Formula One is bigger than than IndyCar in the U.S. You know where where we're based. So mm. yeah, I, th- I think it's important. Um, I think over is around fifty percent of the drivers are uh, from another country in IndyCar. Yeah. So to you know, Pato Award, for example, has a massive following from Mexico. So why not go take advantage of that? And, um, you know, it's, it's not too far away. It's probably uh, closer to Indianapolis than, than California is. Don't quote me on that, but it seems like it. And the, the part of that ladder is Indy Next, which um, has had some, <clears throat> had some publicity over here, primarily because of Jamie Chadwick, who has become a bit of an icon over here as far as women's participation and diversity and inclusion goes in motorsport. She's had a bit of a baptism of fire in, uh, in the States. While you've got your, your honest hat on, what, what do you, what do you make of Jamie's impact in, in the U S does she need some time to adapt? Is the criticism fair or is there a, a little bit of, she's perhaps just not quite up there yet. Look, there's, there's a few things I can comment on there. Um, it is extremely difficult for drivers coming from Europe to go straight to yeah, either Indy Lights, IndyCar. Um, most of the drivers she's competing against have spent over two years in the road to Indy system already and have seen all of the tracks that she's going to. Yeah, there's simulation and things like this that I'm sure she's taking advantage of. Um, but the, the race weekends are extremely condensed. Yeah, I think... But best case, they get 30 or 40 minutes of running before qualifying. Mm. And so when you're missing, you know, I, I'm not sure how far she's off by on average, but, you know, say she's missing three to four tenths to, you know, the guys who have uh, have had a lot of experience on those tracks. I mean, that's just that's just a given. Um, not not many, not many athletes can uh, can just come in and take that away from them, take that experience away from them. So, uh, that's, that's about the only, only thing I can comment on there. I haven't, I haven't really followed, uh, too closely. Another short interruption to remind you to check out PaulOz.com, the man behind some incredible pieces, including two stunning bronze statues of the late great Ayrton Senna, which he made working with the most prestigious bronze foundry on the planet. But he does way more than just sculptures. Oh yes. His canvas artwork has been showcased all around the world at F1 races, galleries, and in private collections. If you'd like to speak to Paul about a project, please, please do reach out to us directly and we'll put you in touch. You might even benefit from a tidy little Motormouth discount. 
Right, back to the show. Now, uh, after IndyCar, Formula E comes calling. When, when did the Formula E seat become a possibility? Was this something that you'd expressed interest in or, or did it come rather out of the blue and, and you thought, well, hey, why not? Let's do it. Yeah, so I've had my relationship with Andretti since 2018. At the end of the Pro Mazda season, I did a test with them uh, in Indian Lights at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and eventually uh, signed a contract with them to race Indy Lights in 2019, which which we ended up winning the championship together in the Freedom 100. Um, and so, yeah, a couple of years a couple of years later, that opportunity came up and they wanted to, an American driver in the series along with their American partners, uh, Avalanche Blockchain. And um, yeah, it, it was an opportunity that I couldn't turn down. Um, I love international motorsport and, and I felt that uh, Formula E is on the rise and continues to be on the rise. So I felt, yeah, it was a great opportunity for, for me to represent my country, the first American driver to race full-time in that championship. And um, yeah, I absolutely enjoyed it. I mean, Formula E is, is incredible, I think. And uh, I encourage motorsports enthusiasts to follow the championship if they're not already. Uh, it's, the racing is very different to traditional motorsport, especially nowadays with that, we call it a Peloton effect with the, you know, extra energy saving. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It's just a, it's a, and, and ends up being a pack race that we see on ovals, but on a street course. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a convert. I, I was not vocal, but I, if people would ask me my opinion about Formula E maybe two seasons ago, I wasn't that complimentary, but I went to the Berlin race. Were you there in Berlin this year? Yes, I was. Yeah, and and it was just mental, wasn't it? I mean, the, the grandstands were completely full. They could have easily sold another 15,000, 20,000 tickets and still filled those seats. You had all the drama of you know, 300 plus overtakes. We had the protesters going, going on on race two. But the whole track there is so good with the the big area by the airport where that all the you know the fan zones are cupra had this enormous activation it was a really special weekend it feels like they're really getting into their stride and like you say if people haven't checked it out go to a race we've got the london epre coming up fairly shortly we've got portland this weekend it's it's becoming a real spectacle isn't it it is it is and i just got off a call with the um with our, our tv presenters that you know the call we do before every race weekend to make sure everyone's on the same page. And, and I mentioned um, the race this weekend in Portland. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Being an important test for Formula E, because I think with the new Gen 3 car and with how, how much quicker it's gotten, um, they can start branching out to compete on these permanent road courses and and not look silly. I think the cars are, are definitely quick enough yeah. nowadays. Um, you know, may, maybe not on a big road course like like a Road America or a Watkins Glen, but I mean, Portland is certainly, certainly a perfect space for them right now. Um, it's close enough to downtown Portland, you know, where they're trying to engage fans and and uh, and push, you know, the the idea of electronic vehicles. So yeah, I, I think hopefully um, they'll go to more permanent road courses. Uh, it's it's hard for fans to relate to the street tracks that that, that pop up um, every year in you know downtown Rome yeah. and you know there's there's Monaco and London that I think are are the two um, two road two street courses in Formula E that that people recognize. Yeah. Yeah, no, Manhattan, uh, the, not Manhattan, where did they have it in New yeah. York? Um, that that uh, it sort of, that came and went, yeah. Brooklyn, that that came and went, you know, quite nice viewing, but, you know. Yeah, we're not going anymore, gonna happen not now. going there anymore for the yeah. time being. No, it's a, it's a shame. Um, did it take you some adjustments to get used to driving that car? Because, yeah. you know, coming from a combustion engine and, and then all of a sudden you're managing energy, doing things in a very different mm. way, tyres all very different. How, how did you adjust to that? So to many, to many surprise, it wasn't the, the powertrain that was taking, that took getting used to. Um, it was the way that I needed to drive the car on a qualifying lap, um, because it's on street tires, very low grip, zero downforce. Um, the brakes are very difficult to, to understand and work. Um, especially when the ambience were cold, um, it was hard to get them up to temperature and, and in the right window. Um, and because they were radial tires with the, with the blocks, basically rain tires, they would only last, um, on some tracks, they'd last half of a push lap. So, um, so it's very, very difficult to, uh, get them in the right window to, and, uh, on top of that, we, we barely got any running. So because we were doing, mm-hmm. you know, out builds, push pit for another set of tires, you know, but by the end of the 30 minutes, uh, FP1 or FP2, um, we would only get five or six push laps, you know, if, if that. So the the, yeah. the track progression and yeah, it was just it was just a lot to take in in the beginning. Um, and I, I expect I expected a lot of myself. The team expected a lot of me as well. Going up with Jake, against Jake Dennis, who, in my opinion, is is one of the superstars of Formula E. Um, it was difficult, and it took me took me the majority of the season to get to grips with the thing. And I think it wasn't, it wasn't until Marrakesh, New York around then when I really started to uh, get closer to Jake and, and uh, be where I had expected myself to be from the beginning. So, um, and then, yeah, at the end of the season, I, I think I put in some pretty solid results. And now you've, you've obviously moved to behind the mic rather than behind the steering wheel presumably you want to get back into being behind the wheel or is this a, what is this phase? Is, is this just a transitional phase and you're, you're getting into the media space? Is this something that you see yourself doing 
longer term. You're obviously in Montreal with Harry and uh, did a sterling job out there and you, you're doing bits and pieces in Formula E. What, what is the longer term plan? It's crazy because I've never enjoyed speaking behind a mic and in front of people. Like it's, it's something that, um, that I used to get really scared of as, as a young guy. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's when they gave me the call, I think it was in December last year to come try out, you know, formerly broadcasting. Um, I was very surprised and I was, I was initially going to turn it down because, you know, I didn't feel like it, it was like a little bit of a slap in the face, you know, not, not to, um, not to anything of, the, of their own doing, but it was just like, I'm a racing driver. I shouldn't be, and I'm 26 years old. I shouldn't be transitioning to broadcasting now, you know, maybe in, in 20 yeah. years. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, I'm, I'm glad I said yes. Let's just put it that way. Um, yeah. I, I don't see myself doing this for too much longer. Of course, I want to get back in the seat. I think it was important for me to, to take a year off in a way. Um, definitely learned a lot about myself and I've, I've grown as a person and, uh, and mentally as well. I've learned uh, to cope with, with many different things. And yeah, I'm ready to get back in the seat for sure. How have you coped mentally not being in a race car this year? I mean, it, it must be kind of strange having spent all those years building up, building up, building up, getting to Formula E, you know, one of the, the, the leading championships on the planet now, and then seeing yourself without a seat this year. Did, did that, did you struggle with that? Or did you, you know, did you keep, manage to keep a positive mindset as you've been through this year? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, everyone has their own journey. And uh, as much as I'd like to follow in the footsteps of uh, a Joseph Newgarden or, um, you know, drivers who have found success in IndyCar. And, and as soon as you find that success and that rhythm, you know, you're able to have a long career in, in that series. Um, it's been difficult for sure. Just to put into perspective, I've, I've had a plan or at least, you know, a schedule ever since I started when I was, when I was eight years old and now mm -hmm. I'm 26 after all those years of, of racing and traveling. Now I have, now I'm, I don't have anything going on. So yeah. it's, um, sure to look at the grand scheme of things. I have a fantastic life. I live in, I live in Florida. I have a great family and friends and there's not really much to complain about. Um, but yeah, I, I feel that my talents being wasted on the sidelines in conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And um, I suppose, for, you know, from a positive spin, this this media world that you found yourself in all of a sudden, you know, traveling to the lights of Montreal and, and sitting alongside people in a, in a comms box, it does, I suppose, open up a new avenue for when you do decide to retire and you know that you can do it and you'll have that confidence to, to go, okay, I'm ready for the next chapter of my career. I'm going to go and sit in the commentary box and and pass judgment on others <laughs> rather than um, on yourself. Um, so I suppose, you know, sil silver lining. But but I guess, like you say, the dream is to get back into a, a car as soon as possible. What what would be your, if, if there was money's no object, sponsorship, no object, and opportunity is no object, what would you be racing in next year? World Rallycross. Rally 
Really? <laughs> no. Oh. no I, I would like to try my hand in it. Um, I, I absolutely love watching and I follow on Instagram and, and YouTube. Um, I, th- I think it's so cool, but uh, those guys are also crazy and they, they have a They're screw mental. loose. So. I mean, we, we had uh, Chris Ingram on here a couple of weeks ago and he's so calm and collected, very chilled out guy. And the footage of him on YouTube is bonkers. I mean, he's clearly completely mental. I mean, he's, he's not really cross, but he's you know, WRC. And it, just insane what they got, those guys do. Um, so I guess, I guess it would be Mad back respect. to IndyCar. It would be. Would, would it be? It? Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. If, if I were to choose, um, I mean, Formula E is up there as well. Uh, I would like to, man, I would have loved to continue for the first season of Gen 3 because I felt like that really evened the playing field for a lot of drivers. Mm. Um, but yeah, IndyCar, of course, I still have a lot of love for that championship and, and the people involved there. Um, the car is very difficult to drive but um when when you when you get it right it's very um it's a very good feeling yeah so yeah it's uh it's nice to hear you say it's difficult to drive though because that, that's what as fans that's what we want you know it's it, i remember the footage a few years ago there was like vettel walk driving around his f1 car with one hand and everyone's like <laughs> you know this is ridiculous and and you know to see the indy car drivers struggling away yeah. with oversteer and understeer and you know especially in the indy 500 it looks absolutely terrifying um l- let's jump across to formula one a little bit what what do you make of the current formula one we've had time now for these regulations these ground effects um regulations to kick in do you think it's improved the show now that everything is starting, starting to come together and the teams are maybe all getting a little bit closer, bar Red Bull? Um, what, what do you make of current F1? This is where my honest hat's going to come in handy now, huh? Yes, go on, hit me with it. Uh, I think it's very boring. <laughs> Extremely boring. Uh, especially when, yeah, the, the fight at the front, which is what everyone wants to see, is stagnant. Um, I think... The championship, uh, the year Max won his first championship a couple of years ago, I think that was an extremely exciting battle between between him and Lewis. And I was very engaged. You know, I bought the F1 TV, and you know, I was I was watching the onboards. I was up at one a.m. Uh, here on the East Coast, you know, watching the majority of the races. And and now I can't be bothered. You know, it's it's unfortunate. Um, but we see historically that you know this this happens in Formula One. But you yeah. know why why is it that they have to go so many years with with this possibly happening? So I, I feel that there needs to be a change. Um, yeah, the massive growth of Formula One. You know, some can argue it's it was caused by the Netflix show. Have they taken advantage of that growth? Probably not. Um, it could it could be much bigger and, and they can continue the growth, I think, if they had the right formula. Um, I still think people are very, very interested in the, the technological aspect of the sport, the wow, the 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 mystery. And, and that's that's where I get hooked as well. Um, just being in the paddock was it's like, you know, after after watching on TV, it's like these drivers are seem so mythical. Right. Yeah. And, and Formula One does a very good job of treating them as superheroes, right? And and, and advertising as as well as they as they do. So, I think series can 
like IndyCar can can learn from that. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's just it. It's like the mm. with Max Verstappen winning by over ten seconds every weekend, it's just uh, not not enjoyable yeah. to watch, and I don't think it's enjoyable for him either. No, uh, I guess you're right. I mean, he wants to be battling, doesn't he? And and there he is in another you know newly designed um incredible machine um and he's he's so far ahead now even so far ahead of Sergio Perez which I think everyone that knows anything about the sport kind of expected to happen at some point throughout the season he'd start pulling away how highly do you rate Max though and it's, I guess it's kind of hard to say at this point with such a, a dominant car but if you if you compare him to his teammate in fairly equal machinery but how how do, highly do you rate him against the likes of Hamilton and Schumacher and Vettel in his prime and, and Fernando Alonso is is he a cut above I think he's right up there. Yeah. Um, difficult to, difficult to say, you know, if if times change, right. But I certainly think he's taken advantage of the opportunity that he has. And, um, yeah, every, every teammate that he's gone against with the exception of Carlos Sainz, I think when they were teammates, they were quite close, um, as far as qualifying averages and, and things like that. But that was when Max was basically a rookie, right? So um, he's definitely gotten better over the years and his racecraft has gotten better. And I think that's where he really excels and which, which is very unfortunate. We're not able to really see that, that wheel-to-wheel action um, where I think Max is, 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 that's where he really excels against other drivers is, is the wheel-to-wheel action. Um, yeah. of course his, his one lap pace is unbelievable, but, um, I think that's where he really stands out is, is when he's in the mix. Do you think we'll see Lewis get his, his eighth title? Um, unless, unless they have an advantage over Red Bull at any point. No. So in, in, in equal cars, um, I, I think, I think Max is, is in a position now where he can, he can beat Lewis. Now, um, you're clearly a very good racing driver. You're, you're now a very good co-commentator, <laughs> as I've discovered listening to, uh, to you and Harry in, uh, in Montreal. I'm getting better. Um, but it's, honestly, I was really impressed because it's not, it's not an easy thing to do to jump in there and provide that sort of color around um, a race. But it, it, I think you and Harry worked together really well and it, ca- it came across good. Thank I, you. I liked it. I, thought it I appreciate good. that. Um, but, but what are you crap at? What are you shit at? Like, what, what would your family say? <laughs> They're like, at? shit. Dirt, dirt Flywheel <laughs> is useless at what? Uh, Fortnite. Oh. Terrible at Fortnite. Um, Call of Duty, even worse. Um, hmm. Cycling. Cycling. I'm shit what? at cycling. Crap. How can sorry. you be? No, but you, you can swear. How can you be? How can you be shit at cycling? Like, so surely you can either cycle or you can. I can ride a bike, right? Okay. But when it comes to going 100 miles, I, I'm tapping out. Oh no. Yeah. no! I'm with you on that. I've got no interest. It's like running. I can obviously run, but I would choose not to do it because I hate it. Yeah. Um, and I'm really slow, so I, I have no desire to go running. That's interesting. Uh, that's I've not had cycling before. That's a good one. Now, listen, we've got we won't keep you too much longer, um, but we've got a final three which are brought to us by our show sponsor, Mr. Paul Oz. So, uh, everyone, if you haven't already, go and check out pauloz.com and check out his incredible um, uh, Formula One art and sculptures. He's just released a new one of James Hunt, which is uh, on display in the MTC in Woking in the UK. It's absolutely stunning. Go and check check out all his bits and pieces. And remember, we're going to do a 
a promotion with him and offer one lucky listener a Paul Oz original worth a considerable amount of money. So stay tuned for that. Um, first of our final three for you. Uh, what's got you excited at this very moment, sporting or otherwise? Uh, my cappuccino. Is it a homemade cappuccino? It's or homemade. Shop it's homemade. Okay. Have you got a machine? Yes. Um, from the Luwak coffee that I brought back from Bali. Oh, that sounds flash. I guess it is. I've, I've never heard of it before. Um, I've discovered it now uh, after my trip there in Jakarta and Bali. And um, yeah, if you've, if you've never heard of it, look it up on YouTube, how it's made. Very interesting and tasty. Are you fishing for a new sponsor here? Is that Not what at all. just happened? Not at all. No. Okay, good. <laughs> um, how much of your success do you put down to luck and right place, right time? And how much do you put down to sheer hard work? I think there's, there's an intersection of um, talent, uh, dedication, preparation, and luck and opportunity for sure. Um, I, and I think looking back at my story, it's, it's a perfect example of, of taking advantage of those opportunities, um, along with the preparation that I put into it. So, yeah, I, I think, I think in every form of life, whether it's, you know, your, your job, your relationships, um, your passions, I think, I think a lot of it comes down to being in the right place at the right time, for sure. I'm a firm believer in that. Well said. And final question for you. What are you scared of? Alligators and crocodiles, hands down. Well, you live in Florida. I mean, they're flipping everywhere. Um, What's scary is when, it, if they're able to latch onto you, and, oh. and just, just, it just freaks me out th thinking, thinking and explaining this, but if they're able to latch onto you, they're wired to take uh take what they can and then ask questions later basically yeah. and yeah. and they will not let go until they have a limb which yeah. is is well, gra they, very graphic to think of no it's horrible they they i saw as you do late at night um well i do flick through tiktok like some brain dead idiot and occasionally the, things pop up like animal attacks or whatever and there was one of this woman in a zoo i don't know if you've seen it I don't know what country it was in and she gets her arm somehow in the croc's mouth and it starts doing the barrel yeah, roll. The death roll. Yeah. And then a member of the public leaps into the pond and jumps on its back until it releases her. They all survived, but oh my God, it was traumatic. But so I used to live scary. in the States and um, we, we, I lived in an apartment complex called West Winds in Orlando and um, we'd wake up in the morning and have crocs just bathing in the morning sun by the swimming pool and stuff. It was freaky, especially coming from leafy, suburbia mm. in in the uk you know to see that was <laughs> fairly terrifying so i'm I'm totally on board with your fear of, of alligators and crocodiles um listen oliver thank you so much for for joining us um Thanks, honestly i think the the commentary stuff it may not be your um your end game for now but you did a, a really good job and the feedback here having spoken to a lot of people in the industry over here as i do daily um i think you've been very well received so congratulations on that and and um and fingers crossed we see you back in a race car next year is there anything you can tell us have you got any plans in the pipeline not any plans right now but i can say i'm, I'm targeting uh, a return to north american motorsport excellent well listen all the best with it and uh for now thank you so much for joining us on the motor Mouth podcast thank you very much 
I really hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to head to PaulOz.com and find him on all the usual social platforms to discover his incredible artwork. A massive thanks once again to Paul for joining us as a partner on the show. And as mentioned earlier, we'll be running a promotion with him to offer one lucky listener a special Paul Oz original. So keep an eye out for that on socials. More information coming really soon. For now, though, please continue to subscribe, review wherever you listen, and tell your friends to check out the Motormouth podcast. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official, and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans, and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.